up here instead of Pastor Franklin, but we're kind of having role reversal today. Addie's just getting over being sick, and I'm preaching this morning, so you get me. <laughs> but as we're reminded this time of year, it's when Jesus came to us. And then if we look in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the time in our service when we take the time to bring those burdens before him. We bring our burdens, we bring our joys, and we just come to him as we are. And so just as every Sunday, the altar is always open to those that just need to come and lay themselves out before God, and your church family is also here to be with you as well. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Sometimes that's the only thing that we can say because words just can't express what you've done for us, Lord. This time of year is just so special as we remember um, the gift of your son that you sent to us, Lord. And you didn't just send him to us as a baby. You sent us someone that would then become our savior who would die on the cross for us, Lord. You sent us a baby who can understand our hurts, our sorrows, our pain. You sent us someone who understands. Lord, we all just come before you as broken people. Even if we, it seems like everything's going okay, there always seems to be one thing or another that is going wrong, Lord. And it just reminds us of our need for you, Lord. So I pray just for each individual that's here this morning and the various needs that are on their heart, Lord. I also pray for this community, Lord, this region and all the needs that are represented, especially this time of year, Lord. I pray that during this time, you would just remind us of your hope and your peace and your joy that was born on that Christmas morning. Lord, I, I can't help but think of all those that are sick right now, Lord, all the, the children who are fighting off the multitudes of viruses, Lord, and uh, also those that are older that are catching them as well. Lord, I just pray for your healing hand um, upon these lives, Lord. We thank you so much for our medical system uh, that's in place when we need it, and we just thank you for our bodies, Lord, that you've created to heal, uh, even with the worst of sicknesses. Lord, I just pray for the community um, at Christmas time. Lord, we thank you uh, that we had an opportunity here in Katyville um, to celebrate uh, the community and to remember uh, those in the community that have made an impact last night at the tree lighting ceremony. Lord, I just pray that we would be a light to this community at large, God, that we would be your love, um, both at Christmas time and just throughout the year. As we go further into this service, Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to what it is that you want us to hear today. Lord, may we not uh, leave this uh, 
church just untouched, um, but that we would have an encounter and experience with you this morning. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, worship team. We always appreciate it. Look at all the stuff here. It's like there's somebody's sermon stuff here. We used to mess with Franklin, and we'd change the order of his pages, but I won't do that. Same message, right? <laughs> well, it's good to see. What's that? Yeah, right? He started numbering his pages. But uh, it is good to see everybody in God's house this morning. It's a little chilly morning, so... I guess we're getting used to it, right? The flannel's coming back out, and here we go. But a few announcements wanted to pass on. Um, next Sunday, as a reminder, we're doing an ornament exchange, so bring an ornament that we can exchange. And the church is bringing sandwiches, and we just ask you to bring something made with sugar, okay? <laughs> That's probably the easiest way to say it, right? Some type of a dessert. If you want to bring a fruit platter, you can do that. There is natural sugar in there, right? But, uh, but that's going to be next week, so we just encourage you to uh, stay for lunch, and, um, and we'll enjoy that. We also have a box in the back um, that we have, uh, I think we have most of the names of everybody here with for Christmas cards. If you'd like to drop Christmas cards in those boxes, um, you can do that. And then next week, we'll, we'll pass them out to everybody who's got them in there. So if you bring your cards next week, we'll just have you do them early, so... Um, so we can do that. But that's just a way to <clears throat> share some cards and Christmas greetings with everybody without paying 60 cents for a stamp, I guess, right? Um, we're also collecting toys for the local children, so that's for the Christmas Bureau, um, the Clinton County Christmas Bureau, so we're collecting those through next week, so then next week we're going to take those and get them to uh, um, the local children's, you know, needs and stuff. It, it might be past their deadline, but if not, it'll go towards next year. But either way, those are going to help some local kids have a, a smile on their face on Christmas. So, so we appreciate if you want to bring a new unwrapped toy, <clears throat> even if it's next week, just drop it under the tree and, um, and that'll be pretty easy. Um, Sarah, did I get all those that we talked about? I think so, right? Yeah, <laughs> just making sure. We do have our Advent study Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30, 7.45, depends. But um, if you'd like to join us, it's, um, I think, the third week. Um, you don't have to have seen the other three or the other two weeks to, to join. So if you'd like to come for that uh, Wednesday at 6.30. Uh, and as always, we thank you for your generous support of the church. We can't do what we do without um, your faithful giving. So we, we certainly appreciate that. We, we steward it. You know, we take that very seriously. Um, 
But if you'd like to donate, we have drop boxes by the, by the back doors. You can give online. The instructions are up here. Um, so we, uh, we appreciate that. And we also support some overseas missionaries. And if you'd like to help support them in particular, you can just mark an amount and towards missions at the bottom uh, of your check or when you do it online. So we thank you for that. Um, we do have the Drown family coming to do our Advent reading for the week. And then Sarah's going to bring the message. I think Kezi is going to read it all. Joy. Many events in life muster joy within us. Can you think of some? Maybe it was a birth, a marriage, an ordination, or graduation, winning an important game, or completing a big contract. In all these accomplishments, joy may likely be a dominant emotion. Joy is a gift from the Lord. Today marks the third week of Advent, a season recognized by the church around the world as a time to prepare our hearts and lives to welcome the coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas. We track this season by engaging in several rhythms, one of them being to light candles, one for each week leading up to Christmas Day. Today we light the third candle, traditionally called the candle of joy. Joy and rejoicing are common themes during Christmas time and occupy several traditional English carols and songs, including Joy to the World, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Angels We Have Heard on High, among many, many others. While you might currently have an array of Christmas tunes dancing through your head, know this. Music that calls us to rejoice is on a deeper level, also calling us to worship. Worship and joy go hand in hand. Joy wells up in our hearts to the point of song, laughter, and dance. And when this joy and delight are directed at God, that is worship. At Christmas, we are challenged to be filled with joy and to worship Christ Jesus, our King. If worship and rejoicing are difficult for you in this moment, ask God to help you worship. In Isaiah 61.3, which Jesus later reads as a excuse me, declaration of his purpose in Luke 4, we read that the Holy Spirit anoints and empowers in order to bestow upon us the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God is ready and able to teach you how to worship in joy and praise. Just ask. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the joy you infuse within us. We ask you to help us praise you. God, in the midst of our sorrows, and to choose joy regardless of our circumstances. Jesus, we are grateful for the joy that surrounds your birth. Help us to be joy, filled rather than filled with despair. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Good morning again. So the, the joke would have been on Jim if he messed up my papers because I have my uh, sermon on my iPad here. But it is technology, so I always have a paper copy with me, just in case. So here we are, week three of Advent. 
We've lit the candles of hope and peace, and today we lit the candle of joy. Hope, peace, joy. All gifts that God gives to us at Christmas time. But these gifts are not like that tube of toothpaste that your mom puts in your stocking and it eventually runs out. These gifts are meant to last us throughout the year and into the next. Each year during Advent, these gifts are brought to the forefront of our minds again, and we're invited to reflect on the ways that we've seen these gifts present in our lives over the past year. And we're also invited to incorporate these gifts into the next year. These are gifts that we carry year after year. This week, we were reflecting on the gift of joy. Joy tends to be a concept that we sometimes have a little bit of a hard time understanding because very often we try to make it synonymous with happiness, but they are not one and the same. Joy is an inner feeling, while happiness is an outward expression. Joy is long-lasting, while happiness is fleeting, only temporary. Joy can be deeply spiritual, but happiness lacks depth. Joy is a choice a person makes, while people chase after happiness. Joy involves trials and hardships, while happiness is easier to achieve. Joy can be present when difficulties exist, but happiness can't live in this space. Joy, as South African Bishop Desmond Tutu defines, joy is much bigger than happiness. While happiness is often seen as being dependent on external circumstances, joy is not. Now, in order to better define joy, I joked with Franklin that I was just going to have Addie sit up here and give today's sermon, because babies just have a way of teaching us about joy. The news of a pregnancy, the moment they're born, the opportunity to watch them grow are all opportunities for great joy for both parents and loved ones. In fact, we read of such joy in Luke chapter 1, verse 14, as the angel announced to Zechariah in his old age that he and Elizabeth would have a son. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. A sweet baby brings so much joy. And although Addie would love to be here this morning to share some of that joy with us, she is recovering from not feeling well and is home with Franklin. So instead, I thought we'd just share a picture. Now, last week, Pastor Tyler mentioned that God gives us the sermons that we need to hear. And I, too, find this so true. Because as I found myself working on my sermon of joy, my little girl was sick. We should have been doing Christmas activities together and getting ready for her first Christmas, but instead, we spent the days on the couch snuggling up with our little girl, trying to make her feel better. While these moments, too, are special, circumstances are less than optimal, and I'm not happy that this is how our December is going. But in these midst of these circumstances, I can hold tight to joy. Because as Desmond Tutu noted, joy is not dependent on external circumstances, and joy is not the absence of sadness. Now, some of you may be wondering why we are addressing the topic of sadness during the season of Advent, the season of Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. Because for many of us, it is the most wonderful time of the year, and we spread Christmas cheer by singing loud for all to hear. But for others, it's a reminder of the empty seat at the table. 
another holiday alone, the family drama that has torn your family apart, the disappointment of not being able to see friends and family. Christmas isn't always a happy time for everyone, and it's important for us to recognize that, because if we aren't in the latter ourselves, we most likely know someone who is. Not only does Christmas bring its own set of circumstances, it does not stop life from happening. The circumstances we found ourselves in before Christmas are still there, and they can't be ignored. But we try to, especially around the holidays. We put our sadness in a box, we draw a circle around it, and we try to keep it from interacting with the other aspects of our lives. But it can't be this way. Ignoring our sadness does not make it go away. As Dr. Brené Brown says, when we numb the dark, we numb the light. Avoiding painful emotions only seals away joy from us. So we must learn to embrace sadness to fully experience joy. Now, one of my favorite depictions of joy and sadness is found in a 2015 Pixar movie, Inside Out. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend watching it. And even if you've seen it before, watch it again because we did while we were watching or preparing for the sermon, and it's good every single time you watch it. So I'm going to give a little synopsis of it, but I'm going to leave out all the good parts so that you can go home and watch it yourself. Now, Inside Out enters the mind of Riley, where we find five dominant emotions characterized as joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. These five emotions live in headquarters, or her brain, and they control how Riley feels. Each emotion has a defined purpose in Riley's life. Joy makes sure she's happy. Fear keeps her safe. Anger keeps her life fair and disgust prevents her from being poisoned, both physically and socially. No one understands the purpose of sadness, as she seemingly does just make Riley feel bad. As a result, she is constantly ignored and kept from using the headquarter controls, mainly by Joy, who prefers to keep Riley as happy as possible. When Riley is 11 years old, her life is turned upside down when her family moves to San Francisco when her father gets a new job. Riley is not happy with this change, and her memories that were once primarily governed by joy are now beginning to be touched by sadness. In an effort to stop sadness, Joy tries to change her memories back to happy ones, but instead ends up getting both her and sadness sucked from headquarters into the depths of Riley's mind. Without joy and sadness in headquarters, Riley's life gets thrown into further chaos and joy and sadness are forced on a mission together to save Riley. After making it through quite the adventure through Riley's mind, joy is forced to realize that sadness is essential. Now here's a short clip from the movie, but before we watch it, I'll give a little context. At this point in the movie, joy has discovered that sadness is an essential emotion. In this clip, you'll see Joy holding onto a glowing ball, one of Riley's core memories. This particular memory is one that Joy always saw as a joyful one, but soon she'll discover that the event was sadness is necessary. She discovered that without sadness, her joy had little meaning. Some of Riley's happiest moments followed moments of sadness. Mom and dad, the team, they all came to help, 
because of sadness. For it is in the moment of deep sadness that joy can be found. Joy comes from embracing sadness. In her book, 1,000 Gifts, Anne Voskamp's writes, joy and pain are but two arteries of the one heart that pumps through all of those who do not numb themselves to really living. Now a quick anatomy lesson. Arteries distribu distribute oxygen-rich blood to your body. These arteries are essential for your heart to pump properly. If these arteries become blocked, it can cause chest pain and shortness of breath, and a complete blockage can cause a heart attack. The heart can no longer function properly. Just as the heart requires arteries to function properly, we need to experience both joy and pain or sadness in order to really be living. We become lifeless when we try to numb ourselves from either the joy or the pain. Joy and pain can exist at the same time. They don't cancel each other out, but rather they are contemporaries. So we can hold these two in tandem, joy and sadness, knowing that that's what makes us truly human. We are living in the already, but not yet. And in the already, we can hold true to the joy that is available to us now. In 2 Corinthians 6.10, we read, Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet have everything. Paul is giving what seems to be a paradox. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Paul is not ignoring the reality of the Christian life. Paul is acknowledging his sorrow, but he doesn't let that sorrow define him. He does not despair as he endures his sorrows. He's pointing out that we can hold our pain and our joy together. Joy is not dictated by our external circumstances, but rather by our internal hope. Paul's hope in Christ caused him to always be rejoicing. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, we read in Philippians 4.4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Notice Paul repeats the command to rejoice, just in case the Philippians missed it the first time. In fact, Paul doesn't just repeat the command in this verse, he references joy 29 different times throughout his letters. We see it again in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and Paul's instructions to the believers in Thessalonica. Always be joyful. But Paul is also very specific in the way that we are to be full of joy in the Lord. He doesn't say that we are to be full of joy in our circumstances, but in the Lord. Because it is in the Lord that we find reason to rejoice. Now, Paul was either in prison or under house arrest as he wrote his letter to the church in Philippi. Paul was familiar with prison, having been in prison several times during his ministry. In Acts 16, we read about one of his imprisonments and his reactions. Paul had just called out a demon from a slave girl who had the power to tell the future. Because of the power that the slave girl had, her master earned a lot of money from the fortune she would tell. After Paul called out the demon, she no longer had these powers, angering her master because all of his hopes and wealth were shattered. 
This caused a whole scene and a mob quickly formed, picking up in Acts 16, 22 through 25. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into an inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Paul was in prison, yet he rejoiced. He was in chains, yet he did not cease from praising the Lord and immersing himself in the promises of what was to come. Paul could rejoice because he knew no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was with him. He knew that true joy is not based on circumstances. It is based on who Jesus is. Therefore, we can rejoice at all times, both in the good times as well as the bad. This joy that causes us to rejoice in the midst of our circumstances can be found tucked in a prophecy, a foretelling of Christ in Isaiah 9, starting in Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 3. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of former times when he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. Now, Zebulon and Naphtali were two of the northern tribes of Israel hit hardest during the Assyrian invasion. The Assyrian invasion brought great devastation. But out of this great devastation, out of this darkness, a light would dawn. In fact, this would be the very region where Jesus would grow up and begin his ministry. There would be reason for great joy. But before this great joy would come, they would experience sadness or hard times. And it was through this light that God would increase the people's joy. Take note that the joy did not come from what the people did, but rather from God. You have enlarged its nation and increased its joy. All the activity is on God's side. God does it. He's taken all the gloom and despair and turned it into joy. And the response of the people is to rejoice. But this joy did not come out on its own. Those who have found joy must expect to go through hard work, as the farmer does before the harvest, or the warrior before a hard conflict. The harvest does not come without work, and the spoils are not won without the battle. We can't expect joy without first experiencing the pits of despair. For as we saw in the clip earlier in the movie, the greatest joy is found from a place of sadness. As we read on in verses 6 through 7, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And this is true for the people of Zebulon and Naphtali, 
and it's true for us today. We have reason to rejoice because the light has come. The light has come to be with us, to bring us joy out of our sadness. This joy that's available to us is a baby who came to be with us. As Psalm 1611 reads, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. In your presence is abundant joy. We can find joy in our sadness because he is with us. It's not in living without pain or emptiness or longing of any kind that we will find joy. It's not. No. It's in his presence that we will know the fullness of joy. We won't find this joy anywhere else except in the presence of Jesus because Jesus is joy. And I'd like to invite the worship team as we close today. And so today we have lit the candle of joy, known as the shepherd's candle. For we read in Luke 2, 8 through 11, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Great joy to all people, not just to those that have their life together, not just to those that are singing Christmas cheer at the top of their lungs, but to those who are broken, to those who are trying their best to hold it all together, to those who are close to God, and to those who are far away. This Christmas, you're invited to come as you are and to find joy, because joy is here. Joy has come in the form of a baby born at Christmas time. Will you receive the gift of joy this Christmas, not in spite of your sadness, but because of it? Do not be distant, O Lord, lest I find this burden of loss too heavy and shrink from the necessary experience of my grief. Do not be distant, O Lord, lest I become so mired in yesterday's hurts that I miss entirely the living gifts this day might hold. Let me neither ignore my pain, pretending it's okay when it's not, nor coddle and magnify my pain so that I dull my capacity to experience all that remains good in this life. For joy that denies sorrow is neither hard won, nor true, nor eternal. It is not real joy at all. And sorrow that refuses to make space for the return of joy and hope in the end becomes nothing more than a temple for the worship of my own woundedness. So give me strength, O God, to feel this grief deeply, never to hide my heart from it, and give me also hope enough to remain open to surprising encounters with joy, as one on a woodland path might stumble suddenly into dapplings of golden light. Amidst the pain that lades these days, give me courage, O Lord, courage to live them fully, to love and to allow myself to be loved, to remember, grieve, and honor what was, to live with thanksgiving in what is, and to invest in the hope of what will be. 
be at work gilding these long heartbreaks with the advent of new joys, good friendships, true fellowship, unexpected delights. Remind me again and again of your goodness, your presence, your promises. For this is who we are, the people of the promise, a people shaped in the light of the God whose very being generates all joy in the universe, yet who also weeps and grieves its brokenness. So we, your children, are also at liberty to lament our losses, even as we simultaneously rejoice in the hope of their coming restoration. Let me learn now, O Lord, to do this as naturally as the inhale and exhale of a single breath, to breathe out sorrow, to breathe in joy, to breathe out lament, to breathe in hope, to breathe out pain, to breathe in comfort. And I grasp the burden of my grief, while with the other I reach for the hope of grief's redemption. And between the tension of the two, between what was and what will be, shaped by is the very, and the very is of now. Let my heart be shaped by and radiates from your heart, O God. Amen. Go in love to serve the Lord.